Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ravens make a splash in free agency? New wide receiver one? Lamar Jackson back to the Ravens? It's all happening this week on Pod Like a Raven. We deserve some positive news. We deserve fun things. And we finally got it in the shape of a star wide receiver. Kind of. I am Antonio Barbera. And I am joined on this lovely Monday evening by my co-host. Let's bring him in. On the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, we were talking yesterday about what are we going to cover? What are we going to talk about? We sure there's enough meat on the bone for a full episode? And then bam! They deliver. They deliver for us. And now, boy, do we have something to talk about this week. Yeah, about a player that we've never said anything bad about ever. Uh, consummate pro, superstar, always has lived up to the hype and the talent level. Going to bring so many good things to Baltimore. Don't, don't, you don't have to go back and listen to the old episodes. Uh, we, we, we have been just filled with nothing but praise for this player who, frankly, I cannot wait. To watch Don the Purple and Black. I'm so excited. I never thought I would be. Uh, let's get into it. I hear he's great in the community. Yes. Uh, you've got an excellent sense of humor. On the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, the Ravens. Splashy. Splashy in the wa- in the pool. Splashy with the money. A, a name? A free agent name coming to the Ravens? What is? How are you doing uh, on, on this Monday evening? Yeah, this is like one of the weird, I mean, this whole offseason's been just very strange and surreal, and I feel like this is just the latest strange, odd, completely unexpected turn. Um, I was out running some errands yesterday uh, when I hadn't looked at my phone in a little while, and was legitimately stunned to see this news, uh, and it's rare, you know, the Ravens aren't exactly the most exciting team when it comes to the offseason, uh is perhaps a reason why they've won a lot. Usually the teams that do make the most noise in the offseason don't end up doing all that well on the field. But I think this is a huge development for them for, for several reasons we're going to get into. And I, I was just legitimately surprised. And I'm with Tim. I'm excited. Uh, it was unexpected. I don't still know what's going on. I'm still very confused, but that's why we're here to talk through it together. Uh, yeah, just a, a real surprise from the, the hometown team here. While Frank Sinatra sings stormy weather, the flies and the spiders get along together. <laughs> That's a deep cut for the music fans out there. Uh, hit me up if, if you know what I'm, what I'm talking about and want to just chat uh, good music from the late 90s and early 2000s. Anyway. The Ravens obviously making a splash, not only financially doing something that's crazy for their MO and free agency. Image-wise, it's Odell Beckham Jr. It's it's an odd choice for the Ravens, but maybe one that they had to make, given all the circumstances with this team. It's a one-year deal, up to 18 million big ones. Looking like it's about 15 million guaranteed. Um... What is going on? Uh, it's incredible to me this amount of money being spent, given that he was out an entire off season last year, then an entire season, and still got this figure. I think it speaks to some whispers uh, about NFL teams being much lower uh, on the college wide receiver core uh, than than draft analysts and experts have said. I feel like every mock draft I've seen has four to five wide receivers going in the first round, and now it's these little whispers that it may just be uh, Smith and the Jigba in the first. And I feel like this kind of validates that a little bit, that this type of receiver, you know, big name five years ago, coming off a major injury, still able to garner top dollar. I mean, I know it's one year, but top dollar... um, 
and specifically from a team that literally has never done this before. It's a little bit of desperation, I think, uh, certainly on the part of the Ravens. I think that plays no small part in it. Um, And I'll admit, I was very confused when this happened because I said, you're making this move without knowing if Lamar Jackson's going to be there. Now we'll go get in, I think, in a little bit the ramifications on the Lamar side of things. Um, But Tim had mentioned a really good point, and I'm sure he'll expound on this in a moment, but he had mentioned when our text yesterday when we were chatting about this, the idea of the Ravens tax. And that is a, 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 you know, a payment the Ravens have to make for kind of their historic ineptitude (laughs) at the wide receiver position. It's not a shock, like people have said on Twitter and elsewhere, like players, that they didn't want to play for the Ravens when, like, Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator. Um, and so I think it's just sort of, it's twofold. I think it's the desperation and just sort of the price you have to pay for a player as good as Beckham, or as good as he can be. And that's the one that's a lot of theoretical with him right now, which is kind of the, the risk side. But I think like what you said, Antonio, the draft's not as stocked as I think people thought. Um, you know, the Ravens have multiple needs and not many picks. They have five draft picks. And so I think it kind of came down to a, a value proposition for them. And then the rest of the free agent class, like we kind of talked about a little bit when they signed Nelson Aguilar, like it was pretty barren, uh, unless they were like making a big trade for DeAndre Hopkins. There is just not a lot out there. Uh, and Beckham was the big name. So, you know, I, it costs a lot, but I think for like a one-year deal, I think it's a risk worth taking because I think it's high risk, but I do think there's high reward too. And then that's doubly true, which I think we'll get into in a moment if this is what brings Lamar Jackson back into the fold. I think that's a, an added bonus and maybe, you know, another thing you're sort of paying for. Yeah, I don't I don't think this has anything to do with the NFL draft. Um, I think that they could still absolutely take a Quinton Johnson or a Smith and Jigba um, or, or any of these guys. And, and you know, Ant- Antonio could be absolutely right where, you know, the rumors this, this week are that the only first-round grade wide receiver is on the Ohio State kid. I... I think this is much more about, one, a player that they have wanted for a long time. Um, Two, a player that has already flourished under offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. His last 1,000-yard season was in 2019 under Todd Munkin when Munkin was uh, with the Cleveland Browns. And this team can't – like, Jace makes the point all the time where I'm tired of hearing they didn't get receivers for uh, they didn't get receivers for Lamar they didn't get receivers for Lamar and I agree with him to a point because I think that they tried their best to draft guys Rashad Bateman Hollywood Brown what have you but when you look at the proven veterans this came from Warren Sharp yesterday and all the hoopla of the signings the Ravens largest per year average uh, money contracts given to wide receivers since Lamar Jackson became a starter in 2019. Odell Beckham is 15 million. It's a lot. And we'll get to that in a second. The next highest guy, Willie Sneed at $6 million guaranteed. <laughs> they have not pulled the Steve Smith Anquan Bolden move in a very long time. And they have come to find out, you know what? The narrative, the national narrative is, is false about this. They're not trying to get him weapons to a point because I think that they really needed to show Lamar Jackson that we are trying to now, is it too little, too late? This is something we can discuss in a second here because I think, like, you could have done this a little bit earlier uh, if, if you really wanted to make <laughs> – it, it kind of seems like you're throwing the olive branch at him when he's, like, 50 feet away rather than right next to you. Um, but they needed to get him a, a proven veteran, somebody that Lamar Jackson clearly looks up to. Uh, they're photographed together a lot and, you know, Sunday night in the club t- celebrating this deal – so to me, Lamar's coming back for at least one more year uh, on the franchise tag. This one year that Odell is going to be here, and you know, if it's longer, we'll see. I doubt it, but we'll see. And my other point on this, just just off the top here, off the rip, I saw a lot of. So the deal comes one year, eighteen million. Everybody does the whole thing. Well, it's an NFL contract. Let's see how much money guaranteed. And then everybody goes fifteen million, and or the, the, it comes out fifteen million dollars guaranteed, and. All of a sudden, the nerds come out from under their computers and under their desks and go, Oh, that's a lot of guaranteed money for this player. I'm tired of trying to act like this is the Billy Bean Oakland A's Moneyball era. (laughs) I'm tired of doing it. 
because the Ravens have been so successful giving out contracts to select veterans and letting guys go at the right time, it's kind of the Belichick thing. Um, well, maybe not now. Almost every move they make is seen as, oh, oh that's just... That's just a classic Ravens move right there. That's classic Ravens. I can't believe they did that. You know what? Sometimes you got to go make a splash. Whether or not you like the Odell Beckham Jr. thing, you know, if if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that we're not huge fans of him in the past. I'm all in. I'm all in on OBJ now. Get me. I'm going to get like the, the ramen noodle haircut on the top with the bleached white and everything going now. I don't get the immediate rush from fans and actually it's funny i'm going to follow him on twitter right now as we speak i'm pulling up some of my notes here i don't get the thing from fans where it's like oh well let's break down this move immediately analytically when it's the when it's a new exciting thing that the ravens have done as antonio has mentioned in this show already something that they have not done in a very long time celebrate this for a little bit we can get into it and have a moment to rest and think on it the Ravens just signed a receiver that your star quarterback, who might be trying to leave, really wanted. That it might be $15 million that brings your quarterback back to Baltimore for the foreseeable future, maybe even longer than this year. In my opinion, for a guy that could be an absolute star in this league, and we've seen it, that's money well spent. And so stop doing this whole <sighs> breaking it down just because it's not the analytical move or not the smart Ravens move they always make celebrate the splash a little bit and, I, and I'm here for it I am I, I think this Tim is just a huge social like social media thing because it that's is true. like crazy we live on Twitter and that's a problem well and it's crazy to just watch all these people who have just complained for years about the Ravens lack of receivers being suddenly like oh that's a lot of money it's like all right man you can't have it both ways yep. like this is the price you got to pay to have a player as good as Odell Beckham like the highest paid players in the NFL that aren't quarterbacks, are defensive ends, and then it's wide receivers. And those are the three most valued positions in the NFL currently. Uh, and like you guys have said, we have just haven't seen the Ravens outlay money like this it, for this position in a long time. Um, and yeah, that's exciting. And so that's like the one thing that just annoys me about Twitter and social media in general, but Twitter specifically. It's like, yeah, it's just like you spend like literal years complaining about this one thing and then the Ravens finally, you know, show that, hey, maybe we do know what we're doing. Like, let's go out and make a splash and get the best receiver on the market, like theoretically, right? And then everyone's like, oh, that's a lot of money, though. It's like, what? Do you, what do you, you can't have this always. <laughs> like, pick a way. It's also, it's none of their money, Jason. Yeah, they, don't, yeah. they didn't yeah. spend any of it. Right. They're it's not penalized deal. If by it doesn't this work out. <laughs> in any way. Uh, exactly. Yeah, the one-year deal is the other aspect of this I like. If it's a disaster, they get out of it and they, you know, wipe their hands and move on and draft another bust in the second round or something like that. But for one year, you know, may, may we grasp it. We have a guy who could literally, I think he should be closer to Steve Smith and Anquan Bolden than the Jeremy Macklins. He feels like he's like a, cal- a cut above, always was a cut above uh, those like sort of flop 30 plus uh, wide receivers. And I do want to touch on this a little bit because I want to give a little bit of problem. You know, outside of the, the front office and the GM, Steve Bishotti, this kind of feels also like a chess uh, a chess move a checkers move by Bishotti <laughs> because of how out of character it is it is such a clear are, are you guys paying attention like I don't do this right here like I don't give this guaranteed money to a guy in this situation like all the risks involved it's not a I'm not getting a third string tight end as Tim was kind of alluding the the sort of genius Raven move 750k uh, conditional seventh round. I'm looking at you, Josh Oliver. It's, it's not that move. It's a, he's the top name right now. We can actually get him. I'm being aggressive because I want my franchise quarterback to stay in Baltimore and continue with what is a legitimate Super Bowl core of talent. Another thing, and this is, um, oh boy, I want the big, you know, sirens in the back. Tim, I'm going to trust you to add this uh, effect <laughs> later. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. However, <laughs> when players come back from the ACL tear, I think <laughs> so many times that first year back, they're like three-quarter speed, three-quarter burst, three-quarter ability. 
basically saw it with Peters, really just run down the list of Ravens who have had this happen and then come back year one. And then it's that year after where they're actually fully back to how they were before. And Beckham's kind of already had that because of the injury happening, not this past season, but the season before. I think he had the full year, um, and then he was looking to maybe join a team, and I think it was like November, December, he was doing the tryouts, and it was kind of publicly said, like, he's not quite there, he's Mm -hmm. not quite ready, um, let's wait it out, you know, come back to us in six months, basically. That's the timeline. It's a very similar timeline to if he had actually been under contract with a team the entire time. So I'm mildly optimistic about him being on the, you know on the closer to the side of earning that 15 million dollars as opposed to you know week 2 and he has two catches for 7 yards and he's already thrown his helmet because he didn't get <laughs> enough targets and he has like the quote after like you know when you got when you got your soldiers use them or whatever the heck Hollywood Hollywood, Hollywood <laughs> says but it happens like way earlier in the tenure i don't think we're going to see that He's, he's matured, you know, he's had the injury, he's got the Super Bowl, he's got the ring. Uh, this is more about, you know, let's let's do it with a new team. Let's do it with my friend Lamar and, and keep him in Baltimore and, and have some fun. So I'm mildly optimistic, uh, would love to see a 1,000-yard receiver uh, on the Ravens. Would be amazing to see from the wide receiver core. And if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be, you know, a proven veteran if, if the health is, is sorted. Yeah, I would agree. I think... Look, kind of going back to the point of they needed to make this free agent move. The Ravens are the only NFL franchise to not draft a Pro Bowl wide receiver. That method was not working. <laughs> and Odell Beckham Jr. comes in here with the the pressure of being the number one receiver for this team coming off of that injury. The last time we saw him, he was well on his way to winning Super Bowl MVP. He was going to win that award. Now, he was the number two to Cooper Cup in that offense. It's Sean McVay, who was very, very good about getting him open and very much as a player's guy. OBJ comes over there after his his uh, dad releases the, the Baker Sucks mixtape, and which we still believe that, by the way. We're not going to get off that train. Don't worry. Um, and all of a sudden, Sean McVay, very player's coach, he goes, I'm just going to keep throwing you the ball, buddy, and feeding his ego, feeding his ego. Todd Munkin has worked with him before. He kind of knows how to do this already, which I think is another great, familiar thing. And the Ravens need him to be that guy. Now, is that guy, you know, Justin Jefferson? Is that guy Cooper Cup? Is that guy Jamar Chase? I don't think so. I don't think so. You look at the, the offensive weapons now, and I, I do not think this precludes them from taking a receiver in round one. I, I will full, wholeheartedly admit that. But if you look at the core now, it's Odell Beckham Jr., who maybe we're getting too far over our skis here, but I agree with Antonio, is closer to prime, you know, he's still only 30 years old. I think closer to good Odell than, you know, throwing helmets Odell. You have Rashad Bateman, who is coming off an injury, which is a bit of a concern. You have Devin DuVarnay. You have Mark Andrews. You have year two of Isaiah Likely. You have Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. Not to mention, I mean, Nelson Aguilar, sure. And not to mention any other pieces that they're going to bring into this offense because you, you assume that they're still going to. And so he's expected to be that. And I think, at least for this year, you know, and people have talked, well, there's the void years in this city, so or this uh, contract, so it's not $15 million on the cap this year, but it could screw them later down the road. Da, da, da. They had to make the move to keep Lamar in town. And I think, now Lamar loves being a troll on social media, so who the hell knows. But I think Lamar Jackson posting himself videos of him with Odell Beckham Jr., FaceTiming together, and then the Ravens, posting that same FaceTime on their own account, which is something they don't really do, there seems to be an indication that this is the move that is bringing Lamar Jackson back to Baltimore. And look, two weeks ago, we did we did the episode title, episode 150 of this podcast, was Lamar Wants Out. And I went on a rant saying, if you don't want to be here, screw you. Get out of here. I come on hands and knees. If this was the move to get you back... If it was OBJ and his awesome hair and his 
he had a tweet on Mar- in late March, by the way. He might be the guy to wear zero for the Ravens, which I'm not a huge fan of, but you know we'll see how it works out. Might have to buy the number three off James Prochet uh, because I'm sure you know that that'll be something. Um, if this is the move, I I am all the more excited for this. All, every aspect of the Odell Beckham Jr. experience, knocking on all the wood I have in my apartment, I'm excited for. And I didn't think that would be the case, you know, not even, you know, six months ago when we were talking about bringing a guy like that in. Well, that was what my, so my like initial thoughts, I, I did go down, there are injured concerns, as you laid out, That's uh, true. Antonio. I think the reasons for optimism, though, with him are, uh, we, we keep coming back to that 2019 season. That's really the last time he was healthy. Because uh, he, if we, unless, we, uh, for those who forgot, he also tore his ACL in 2020. So missed that season, came back in 2021, did the Baker Stinks mixtape, got traded to the Rams, tore his ACL in the Super Bowl, and so his numbers weren't great that season, but that's the last time he played. He hasn't played since February of 2022, so I feel like that's plenty of time to get healthy, and like to that end, you know, he has something to prove too. He's 30 years old, he only is on a one-year deal, he wants a second contract. Um, Now, were my initial concerns that yeah, we know this is a guy who could cause problems if he doesn't like what's going on. Uh, and my thought was, well, if Lamar, um, you know, doesn't come back, if he doesn't get back in the building, uh, OBJ causing issues seems like a distinct possibility at that point. But then what Tim says, you go on the social media and you see the Lamar posts. And when uh, Odell Beckham uh, announces it, he has his son dressed in a Lamar jersey, uh, <laughs> in a Ravens jersey and Ravens hat. Uh, yeah, there he the Ravens po- repost that screenshot, which if things were not going okay with Lamar at, right. right at the moment, I feel like they would absolutely never do. And then I think, Tim, you mentioned at the top, they're spotted in the club, I believe, late last night. Yes. Um, like, just celebrating. So those are all indications. And we should say, in the screenshot, Lamar's rocking the Ravens crest pendant. The Ravens pendant with uh, <laughs> that so i don't know i i just feel like yeah those are all signs that he's coming back now i don't know that that's on a deal <laughs> i might just be on the franchise tag uh which you know rerun this entire offseason next offseason which would be a nightmare but for now you know i left when i think we'll touch on it in a little bit i left their press conference the other week thinking the ravens were done with lamar and now I think he's back, and I think, yeah, I, it seems like uh, this was just a big, um, you know, whether it's a piece, Antonio, you mentioned Steve Bashotti, I believe Justina Anderson reported he was directly involved in yes, talking to OBJ. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if this was a, piece, a Lamar demand for I'll come back or play on the tag if this happens. We don't know all that. We never will because the Ravens won't say Lamar doesn't have an Asian. <laughs> but uh, for now, it seems like it has at least mended some fences. And I think this is the most optimistic I've been about Lamar returning to the team this entire offseason, which is just so strange. Yeah, a couple more points on this. Um, the Ian Rappaport reported on Monday on the Pat McAfee show that the Ravens are still talking about a deal with Lamar. Like, this is not one of those, all right, you asked for a trade, like, sawed off type of things. Like, they... They are still actively working. And at this stage, if you're still actively working, you have to think that there's something there. Um, two, kind of going back to my my point about the analytics stuff and the people that want to just say, well, they don't have any weapons. Well, that was not the right weapon. Uh, and kind of pulling from an Antonio clip here, an Antonio point he's made across this podcast over the years, kind of fun to have a star wide receiver on the team. Like maybe just in name as of right now, but he's always, you know, we, we want like that guy on the outside. And, and I don't know in terms of his play, if he will be, but Odell Beckham Jr. Coming in with like the fancy teeth and the cool haircut and like the kind of diva attitude. You talk to me in week three and I'm going to be super pissed off about it. But right now in April and April tw- 10th, excuse me, as we record, I should say, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And I just think that, I don't know. All of the signs on the social media stuff is that this is either a brilliant sign for Ravens fans and kind of a sigh of relief and a, oh, wow, good news after just absolute dross and crap and BS that we've had to go through this entire offseason and just a little ray of, of, of sunshine. Or 
It is the most effective troll job featuring the player that they literally just signed to a $15 million contract. Look, I'm a pessimist. I tend <coughs> to think it's the former because I don't know if you're trying to piss off your employer mere moments after signing. So let's just all hope this is a great idea. Lamar with the chain, the kid with the eight on his, on his back. Like, I think we're going in the right directions here. For the, for the first time since the season ended, folks... We might be going in the right direction as a as a Ravens franchise. Well, I, I should just say too, it's like if Lamar isn't coming back, then it's like it is like what are we doing? Yeah, right now? like it makes no sense to have be like, well, we got to get Tyler Huntley weapons, or like I guess maybe unless you know you're drafted at the top ten, maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's part of it. But then yeah, why all the social media, you know, uh, very public showing of. Uh, be be playing the idea that they're going to play to each other. And uh, another thing Ian Rappaport had shared on NFL Network, actually, and he, sh- he shared out one of his report clips, and he, and he wrote uh, that L- Lamar was actively recruiting Beckham, and, quote, he plans to be throwing passes to Beckham. So if you're planning to throw passes to the guy who has agreed to a deal with the Ravens, it seems that you're going to be on the Ravens. But that's what I mean. I just, like, I'm, like, more confused, I think, than ever this offseason because I thought it was – we were done. I thought it was over. I was just, like, just waiting for a team to pony up a first-round draft pick and the Ravens were going to send Lamar on his way. And now I think he's the quarterback opening day in 2023. And I, I'm still not sure it comes with a deal. But, like, yeah, I don't know why you would – do all this so publicly if, if Lamar wasn't coming back. So that's, that's where I am. But yeah, like if he isn't there, then it's like just baffling that you're like, you finally pull the trigger on an OBJ type signing, like while your quarterback's walking out the door, that's just bizarre. But uh, yeah, for now, I think Lamar's coming back <laughs> probably on the franchise tag. And it's, it's weird. It's confusing. And this has been, like the just longest off season ever <laughs> for the Ravens. Yeah, we're in full uh, April like tea leaves uh, at this point. Super Bowl, the Instagram, the photos, the what is he wearing? Who who are who are you wearing this evening? Who are you hanging out with? <laughs> what does it all what does it all mean? Uh, and yet, I kind of agree with all of it. It is amazing how this can change week to week, uh, month to month. He's got his, you know, quote-unquote his guy now, so it's just ready to... He's going to be in the building, Jace, week one, I would say. Does he play week one? I don't know about that yet, if nothing has changed financially, but... Oh, man. One other aspect of this I want to touch on, and then we can sort of get, get on and, and, you know, enough positives. We can get into all, all the other negative <laughs> stuff that we've been dealing with every week. Small thing I like about this is I want everybody to just forget that Rashad Bateman exists and just forget what he should be, what he could be. Uh, the, the, you know, the plays that we saw him make in spots, the Miami seven yard slant that he turned into an 80 yard touchdown, just tuck it away, put it in a cupboard, lock it. And then all of a sudden you're week four and you're like, wow, wide receiver two, uh, is maybe the second best player on the Ravens <laughs> offense behind Lamar Jackson. Because we know he's good. We know he's got the hands. We know he's got the route running, the whatever, the shake ability. It's just playing 16 games. And I want him to just ha- have all the pressure gone because nobody is going to have their eyes on him over the summer in August. It's all about what is Odell Beckham Jr. doing in practices, in drills, in preseason games. And I like that because Bateman could very well... I you know I I said Beckham could be the first thousand yard receiver. It could literally be Bateman next season instead of Beckham. Beckham can get hurt. He can be a four hundred yard guy. He can be throwing the helmet, kicking the punter net or the kicker net. <laughs> but this other guy that you drafted in the the first round talent, who's now going to be in year three, can just kind of show up without any pressure and have a really good season. So I'm. <sighs> Uh, I'm I'm April intrigued by this Ravens (laughs) roster now, man, because one of the giant holes, I think, was filled, and I don't really see them with a ton of needs at this point, and I love this roster. I'm dying, Tim. I'm dying, and I just want to know that my quarterback is safe. I just want to know that we have a guy who can throw them all the ball. Um, 
All right, that's it. Anything else on this, guys, before we say I'm going to stop there, Tim, before I get too uh, too excited about the future of this team. <laughs> Anything else uh, about this deal before we get into sadness? Yeah, I mean, I think best to move on just because if we linger too long, we'll have another just devastating update in two weeks when we come back. Well, no, we'll talk ourselves into Odell Beckham Jr. winning Offensive Player of the Year. So I think we need to just, you know, go, let's go to the negatives, Antonio. How about that? Enough positives. Let's talk about the disaster storm that was the pre-draft press conference. Uh, you had DeCosta up there. You had Harbaugh up there. Harbaugh's uh, side-eyeing reporters. He's doing the, like, the hairy eyeball uh, at people left and right. <laughs> DeCosta's trying to, he's, like, working the UN levels of, like, politics and, you know, trying to keep the peace between various people and having comments that say something but say nothing at all. You got PR people for the Ravens like jumping in to to stop reporters from asking questions about the team's franchise quarterback. We gone full like dictatorship, info suppression, all in one press conference, um, and it was a disaster. DaCosta acknowledging the possibility of the Ravens selecting a quarterback in the first round. It depends on the board. It really does, DaCosta said. I mean. I'd have to say yes, because we have quarterbacks in our top 31. So just based on that alone, simple math, I would have to say yes. Pulling the Obama Thanks, playbook, Obama. the simple math, I would have to say yeah. It was just awkward and like cringy and uh, almost aggressive, and that's not what this Ravens like franchise was about. But in the in the year of you know disaster situations left and right with this team it was just fitting that it was yet another step in the confusion that this franchise has the the inability to like keep the message uh, and all that stuff so yeah it was fun fun to watch how, how much of it did you guys see i i saw the the bigger highlights i mean you know this is famously called the liars luncheon every year this pre-draft press conference the ravens do so i don't take a ton of stock into it, but I definitely saw the awkward moments, the uh, the basically shushing of uh, uh, <laughs> Lamar questions. And that was just what, like, drove me insane. Like, he's like, we're only here. It's like Mark McGuire not here to talk about the past. It's like, we're only here to talk about one thing because it's like the future of Lamar Jackson is literally the most important thing. It's like, if you have a quarterback, directly impacts what you're going to do in the draft, you know? If you have a top 10 pick, <laughs> that matter, that's going to impact your draft plans. If, you know, I mean, I him saying they are considering quarterback was at least a little enlightening because I don't remember them, you know, I'm, it's true every year. Like, that's how they operate. But I don't remember them saying it, like verbalizing it. I mean, I guess they were asked about it. Like in years past, they probably, you know, after Lamar won the MVP, they probably weren't asking like, Hey, you guys got a quarterback on your top 32 or whatever. Um, so like, I guess he wasn't lying in that sense, but it's just like, yeah, for me, it was just like, this is like the most important thing that's going to impact the draft. And we've talked about how it's impacted our love of the draft. I think we've all paid the least amount of attention to the pre-draft hype this year, just cause it's just like, until we have a resolution with Lamar, like it doesn't matter. Like, like we said, the t rest of the team seems pretty good, but if they don't have a quarterback, they're going to win six games next year at best. And so then, like, just to, like, ignore that at your entire press conference, it was just a really bad look to me. And it definitely seemed to me, like, too, like, the most done the team publicly was with Lamar at the time. And then, like we just talked about, this Odell Beckham thing happened, and the team's retweeting him, sharing FaceTimes, uh, wearing the Ravens pendant, and doing purple heart and the the purple devil uh, let's go thing and like so now i don't know what to think but at the time i certainly thought this was like the most done the ravens had publicly seen with lamar uh in the weeks since you know his trade requests have been made public yeah there's something about people love like awkward clips and it it's weird <laughs> like my favorite show of all time is the office and yet live awkward moments make me cringe to the point where i just can't watch them um but i did see you know the the pertinent things in this press conference and i have a bit of i have a bit of a different take on this entire situation um i don't disagree that it was a bad look and like the pr guy coming in middle of the question and yeah hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that hey, no 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 and doing like the the, the the shush basically as you guys said 
But in a pre-draft press conference, and I know everything relates to Lamar being there or not. I get it. But in a press conference specifically about what you think in the draft, I have no issue with them shutting it down. Um, I, as someone, you know, not to pull this card, but as someone who works in media, as the three of us do, I have no doubt in my mind that there was a some sort of, and I don't know this, but I some sort of memo sent like, hey, we're not doing Lamar questions today. And the press, because they're the press, and God love the press, we all love the press, they asked anyway, because it's their job, and they should. And the, the Ravens in, fumbled it in a pretty bad way of shutting it down. But what did you want from a pre-draft draft press conference? Did you want 30 minutes of... So, um, updates on... Uh, uh, John, John, this is for John. Um, how do you see the team with Lamar Jackson as the quarterback? Uh, Eric, Eric, this one's for Eric. Um, Eric, so any any update on, on the contract negotiations? <laughs> uh, this one's for Joe Hortz, director of scouting. Joe, Joe, um, you know, I, I, we, I know we talked Lamar, and I have a different question. Definitely not about Lamar, but do, do, do you what comparisons do you have between um, Anthony Richardson and how his game translates to you know Lamar <laughs> Jackson? Like it, it would be an hour of Lamar Jackson questions. We've done all the Lamar Jackson questions. Everybody's done the Lamar Jackson questions. Nobody has no idea what the hell is going on with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> so let's just stop. Stop asking about it. If, if this was just a press conference, like start of the season press conference, I'd be annoyed, but I would totally get it if it was Lamar, 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 Lamar. I get it. I get it. That's the important topic. That is the, the, the thing of conversation. This is the the liars lunch in I do love because that's absolutely true, but it's also the pre-draft press conference talking about the approach to the draft. I understand some of that has to do with Lamar, but if you allow any a little bit of Lamar into that press conference, it's it's going to be all Lamar. So just shut it down completely. And I think the reaction to, oh this is BS from the Ravens, this is bush league, what are they doing, was completely overblown, based on what they were trying to accomplish in that press conference. Should they have maybe just canceled the press conference? Should they have maybe made a public announcement beforehand? We will not, like public, not even to the reporters, like public, we are not going to be addressing Lamar in this situation. Should they have approached it any other way? I'll hear the argument. But do I fault them for kind of going away from the Lamar stuff to try and talk about, oh, I don't know, how uh, Eric DaCosta mentioned like 800 times he can't wait to trade back? Uh, yeah, that, that's what we're here for. To, to, oh, we only have five picks. It's a lottery. You want as lot, many lottery tickets as you can get. You know, we only have five picks. We'd really like to get more picks. Like the, the Ravens aren't picking in the first round. Newsflash. That's what I got from that press conference. Um, I, I just, I. It was the same thing as the OBJ stuff for me, where it's like on Twitter and the initial reaction: "This is bush league. What the hell? This is weak sauce from the Ravens. I'm gonna wear an NFL hat and go to M&T Bank Stadium. Never support this team again." Blah, blah, blah. And when you sit back and like you know have a rational thought for once, it was just it. They had to do it. They handled it wrong, absolutely. But they had to to. They had to kill the elephant in the room. To try and get some actual stuff done. I, I do wonder if, like, if these are NFL mandated because they, you know, it is true every year they don't tell us anything useful. It's true. These it, because, it's completely pointless. Yeah, it, it is kind of a waste of everyone's time at the end of the day. So that's why I wonder. I'm like, these must be league mandated because, like, why would the Ravens do this? otherwise because yeah like that's the thing it's like you call a press conference and then it's like you don't want people to ask the most impressing question it's like they just don't have the press conference like if you just that's what college football teams do because they have more power you just keep everyone out at all times and then you control the narrative about everything that's what nick saban does he's the only one you'll ever hear from usually when it comes to alabama football uh, for the most part and it's like uh, you know, it, I guess like NFL, like pro teams have a little more open media policies and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, they could have handled it better, but I, I see your point, Tim. It, it's just like, at, yeah, my big, I guess, picture thing. It's just at the end of the day, why I even do any of this? Cause right. Like, well, I get yeah, that. You know what the, the question facing your franchise is. <laughs> and and well, if you don't want to deal with it. I'm sure it's league mandated. Number yeah. one. Uh, number two, I think the reporters in the room would disagree with you that it's pointless. I think they, 
get a need to get a lot of information from that, and that's why they ask these questions over and over and over again. That's why they're always there, even when it is absolutely dry. I, Tim, it's the it's the most important like position in like team sports of all the sports, <laughs> and his impact being there or not has literal every trickle down implication for the draft, for the Ravens, for the league, for the first round. It, it's absolutely intertwined. And I, you would I would think the team would have been better at like being prepared to address th- that. Can't argue that. Instead Can't of yeah. by question three, it's like, Mom, they're not allowed to ask this. <laughs> and that's like kind of how it just like how it like cam- comes across where it of course it matters. Of course it impacts like what you do and who you are interested in, and the, even within this framework of, you know, boilerplate response. It's about the best players. It's about the picks. It's about getting better. But as a team, and next question, um, so just an optic from an optics perspective, it was bad, and it has been bad for this <laughs> group group of uh, front office and coaches for a long time. It's not. It's not all their fault. It's been a mess. But the Circus has certainly not stopped uh, as we've continued through through the off season. All right, um, Tim, Jace, it's trivia time. It's time for our brand new trivia game. We played it a couple of times. I don't think I have a point. Uh, Jace has six points through two rounds. Tim and I still looking to you know get off that zero spot. But the good news is. Uh, that Jace is giving the clues this week. So one of us has to get points, I think. Uh, so, Jace... Who are we just neither of us getting? <laughs> Jace, I, you, are, uh, you are up this week, so uh, yeah, hit us yeah, with this, it. This was a game that's just always stood out to me, so hopefully you guys guess this player. Uh, it's going to be like some Jeremy the- Macklin stat line. <laughs> this player recorded three sacks and forced a fumble in a strong primetime performance in a Ravens win. Uh, see, Remember? see, I would say if I got a you chance, take a chance. <laughs> if I got a chance to come back in, I would take a guess here and figure this out. I, th- but no, keep going, keep going. Clue number two: This game, where this player had that stat line, was played on Thanksgiving night. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Clue number three: The game played on November twenty fourth, twenty eleven, also marked the first meeting of John and Jim Harbaugh. Oh, okay. Well, that completely threw me. All right, so hold on, Jace, before you get to the next clue, because now we're at the three-point uh, tier, and you know I might just want to just just dive in. This, you know, it's about it's about value, Jace. At this point, getting three points and trying to stay in it. Oh, gosh, I have a name and I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, Twenty eleven. I'll say it. Uh, I'm gonna say. Elvis Doomerville. It is not Elvis Doomerville. Oh, oh man. All right, I'll oh, take no. my time here. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay, okay. Def- Clue four, Tim? Yeah, definitely thought this game was against the Steelers, so this is going to completely throw me off, but keep going. Clue number four. This player was AFC Defensive Player of the Week in the wake of the Ravens' 16-6 win over the San Francisco 49ers, and he ended the year with a career-high 14 sacks and NFL-leading seven forced fumbles and was named Defensive Player of the Year. Oh, it, Come was, on, it was the name I was going to get anyway, so I'll just take it now. T-Sizzle Terrell Suggs. Oh, it's Terrell gosh. Suggs. My final little clue was this man of many nicknames is the Ravens' all-time leader in sacks and forced fumbles. He completely showed out on a Thursday night football matchup on Thanksgiving night in which Joe Flacco and the offense did nothing against a very good San Francisco 49ers defense, but Alex Smith and company did even less. There's... And it uh, really helped, I think, uh, solidify Suggs' season. I was looking at his game logs. He also had a three-sack, three-force fumble performance against, I believe, the Curtis Painter-led Colts <laughs> later in the season. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, this was Suggs' standout season, and for me, one of his standout games uh, of that season. I remember remember watching it and he was just all over the place it was dominant that season was so fun he was so good he's one of my favorite players of all time and uh yeah Terrell Suggs so much more can you say about him so quickly on this uh I thought it was excuse me I thought it was a Terrell Suggs game against the Steelers and I like had the mm. the interception in my mind where he jumps up and picks off the screen pass uh, but obviously that wouldn't have been a fumble and 
T Sizzle might go down as one of those players where older Ravens fans and, and reality check to anybody that's our age, you're old. You count as an old (laughs) Ravens fan. I'm sorry about it. You do. A bunch of them came with Lamar. A a lot of them might leave, but the ones who stick around, please make sure they know who Terrell Suggs is. Like, like, I'm annoyed that I'm not sure if he's going to make the Hall of Fame or not. I I can't remember if he's up for eligibility. He can't be up for eligibility quite yet because I think he had like a year Uh, in Arizona too. Next year. Maybe next year. He had the Chiefs year also. Oh, the Chiefs year, right. Yeah, correct. Yeah, very, very good. The Chiefs month, whatever. Right, whatever it was. So that delays it a little bit. I I hope to God he makes the Hall of Fame and he should make the Hall of Fame. But something tells me that he might not. And for all of the importance of Ed Reed, uh, you know, my favorite player of all time, the best Raven in the history uh, of this franchise, for all the importance of Ray Lewis on that defense, the man who personified the attitude after after your 2000 Ravens in the documentary, and, and they'll live on. You can watch that. They won a Super Bowl, what have you. And Sizzle did as well. But he was never seen as really the face because he was always there with the Ed Reed and, and, and the Ray Lewis. But you know what it was? It was Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, and Terrell Suggs. Terrell Suggs coming off the edge, coming out in the Bane mask, coming out to the <laughs> flames, just pissing everybody off, wearing the S-Berg t-shirt, like just – Always talking so much trash and backing it up. Never forget Terrell Suggs, one of the all-time, all-time Ravens, and 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 he will be forever. Uh, and so, you know, PSA to all you older Ravens fans, including us, make sure the younger generations remember who Terrell Suggs was. He literally ran out on the field once with, like, an actual gladiator helmet. He did. like, the game against the Steelers. It was awesome. <laughs> he was the first guy I remember to just, like, you know, uh, Sunday Night Football makeup names. Like, <laughs> when he dropped T-Sizzle or just Sizzle Ball So Hard University, how great was that? That was, like, one of the greatest things I'd ever seen in a football game at that point. So, yeah, I, I always loved Terrell Suggs. He's definitely the personality and the kind of the bridge between two eras. Obviously, he was still on the team when Lamar's rookie season. Yeah, so, uh, he he's second all-time in games played for the Ravens, too, which is kind of hard to believe behind Sam Cooke, of course. <laughs> but uh, just uh, what a guy, Terrell Suggs. I, Antonio, good guess with Duberville. Uh, he well, was a, a, I, I looked it up. He wasn't even on the team until 2013. So, yeah, that was <laughs> not, later, not the greatest but. guess, but... Uh, you know, we live and we live and we move on. Um, I, I didn't want to sizzles. give away all the clues, right? Since he was a major Ravens player, I figured I'd make it not super easy to guess right away. Uh, yeah, and Suggs that season, like getting sacks on on Sundays and Thursdays, and then doing like first take or whatever it was called <laughs> every Monday. Like he had a very active year for him, but uh, professionally. Um, but that is a great, it's uh, a great box score, Jace. And now. Uh, Tim on the board with two points. Jace with six points. Tim with two points. Myself still with zero. Through three rounds. So we'll see how many uh, how many rounds we go here. And boy, you guys just keep listening to see if I can eventually score some points. Let's turn now to uh, just like a little combo section I wanted to, to touch on. Not, not a lot to talk about, but NFL news and a little bit of uh, a draft primer. Uh, we've teased it a little a little bit with the Ravens absolutely not drafting at pick 22, which is where they currently are. But in the NFL, not too many things to discuss. The biggest story in the past couple days has been the Beckham to the Ravens news, um, which is nice because every other day it was the Lamar and Ravens news or lack thereof. So elsewhere in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers still isn't a Jet. Are we, you know, this is definitely happening, right? This is definitely happening um, because the days keep ticking and they can't really finish this off. I'm wondering if it's going to be tied into the draft at some point, but a little strange to me that that we still (laughs) sort of haven't tied the bow on this. Um, Do we see any progress on that uh, in the next couple weeks? Is this a done deal? Are they waiting for things to happen? A certain day on the calendar? Or do you think there's actual potential that they're still trying to finish you know, parts of this parts of this deal, and they may not be resolving it smoothly. So wh- while I was working um, uh, again on Monday as we record this, the, I was watching a little bit of the McAfee show, and they were talking to Ian Rappaport. And there's a clip from Joe Douglas, who was like the GM of the Jets, who was out at an event, like at the radio event, I think. And I think it was with Boomer Esiason. I think so, yeah. 
a pretty lubed up Boomer Esiason, it seemed <laughs> yeah. like. like He was doing good. <laughs> Boomer had a couple pops before this interview, and he basically like grabs Joe Douglas, who looks like Brian Dable on steroids, and like <laughs> and like gets him around the, the shoulders. <laughs> Come on, we got we gotta talk about. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, what's the deal? And and Joe Douglas is like, I'm going to throw this man off the stage. But also said, he's going to be here. He said he's going to be here in New York. Now, he's doing it to appease the fans, what have you. This is all going to happen. And I think it's just one of those, if you're a Jets fan, you're just so, like, just weighed down by misery and doubt over the years. And I don't blame you. Your team has sucked for a long time and has been kind of just, you know, the poop stain on the National Football League for a while. So you just think it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. Maybe it's after the draft because the Jets don't want to give up any more picks this year. And they're just delaying, 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 thinking that they, you know. Now, if they delay... Do they need to give up more assets because it's for the following draft? What have you? I'm not too sure. At this time of year, teams really don't want to get rid of their picks because they have their guys on the board. They know who they like. They know who they want. So maybe it's just a matter of that. But, yeah, I look, I, I'm, I'm sitting from the outside looking in. If I was a Jets fan, I'd be losing my mind right now. Like, just make it happen. Just make it work. But I still think it's going to get done. I, I have no qualms about that. Yeah, it just seems like they're in a standoff. I forget even when this was, but I saw some reporting on Twitter at some point that was like, basically like the Packers want the Jets pick, which I believe is 13th overall. And like Tim said, the Jets don't want to give that up because they said, Rodgers has said he only wants to play here, so you have no leverage. But then it's like, you know, it, the he's, Packers still have his rights, so they're like, well, we're not just going to give that him to you. Like, you have to give us something. And so it just seems like they're in this weird sort of standoff. But I was trying to look it up today, talking to some of my friends. Roger's contract is insanely complicated. Yeah. Uh, the way they did that deal, um, it was only like a three- or four-year extension, but there was like a bunch of void years because of his age and the CBA. And it was, it was like the dead cap is weird and if the packers retain a certain percentage that uh, hurts but he will be traded because uh according to over the cap um i believe rogers uh dead cap hit would be 90 over 99 million Jesus. if the packers re- release him uh so they literally can't release him it has to be a trade <laughs> the packers are getting rid of uh and even like if he retires that's like i think 40 or 50 sub million dead cap hit and then it's like there's a whole bunch of weird stuff if he retires and what the dead cap is. and uh, But then I think even if he unretires, like, it'd be like the Favre thing all over again because they still have his rights, so he'd still have to be traded anyway. Like, it's it's real weird. And so, yeah, so he will be traded. It's just a matter of them sort of haggling that out. But I am with you all. It's weird it hasn't happened. And I would think there'd have to be some movement ahead of the draft in some way because the Packers would want, I think at least like a second round pick or a third round pick for Rodgers. But I don't know. It's weird that it keeps dragging on when everyone knows what the end result seems like it's going to be. Elsewhere, just wanted to do a little kind of touch on the draft. We will, in two weeks, have our like big mock draft round one. Very exciting. Goes forever. Uh, one of us gets lucky and gets the Ravens pick, and this one will be just the the, the most fun year to, to decide what the Ravens will do at 22, because we don't really do the trading uh, in our mock draft, so they'll have to take somebody when that's definitely not going to happen this year. Um, but it's kind of exciting. We are two weeks from the draft, still not sure what the Panthers are doing with pick number one. It will be a quarterback, but which one will it be? In any NFL draft where there are a lot of you know, teams that want quarterbacks and quarterbacks who are available, there, there's going to be movement. There is going to be a lot of action in the days leading up, the hours leading up, and during the draft itself. So it should make for a, uh, a very enjoyable experience. But wanted to hear your guys' sort of uh, maybe your top interests or top curiosities as, as we get closer and closer to this draft. And this can be Ravens-related uh, or, or not. It's definitely how many quarterbacks go in the top 10. And DaCosta's comments picked my interest of the Ravens potentially drafting a Hendon Hooker type around the 20th pick uh, when they said that. But um, 
But then with this backup news, as I said, I think Lamar's going to be there. So I am with you. They will 100% trade down. <laughs> the Ravens will be. Uh, you know, I, I think back, Antonio, I believe we were roommates. One of the first years, I think they split the draft into two nights or one of the early years they did that. And we watched that entire Thursday night and the Ravens were good. So they had like the 28th pick and they traded out of it into like an early second round pick. And it was just one of the, the most disappointing nights of my entire life. <laughs> Truly. And I was like, why did I just watch six and a half hours of the draft on a night? I almost surely had to do some schoolwork and didn't. And uh, the Ravens didn't even pick. So they're going to do that again and it's going to stink. But uh, um, if they stay, I imagine this Beckham addition sort of changes the calculus i think we talked about the receivers and if they'll take one maybe if the one they likes there but i i think like if there's a cornerback still on the board that they like that seems to me the position that you know i was i was just looking at um the depth chart today let me just run it through run through it real quick with you all in case you forgot uh the ravens cornerbacks currently are Jalen Armour Davis, Marlon Humphrey, a man named Bo Pete Keys, who I definitely have heard of, uh, Trayvon Mullen, Lamar's cousin, who they actually extended to a one-year deal, I believe, uh, Pepe Williams, Daryl Worley, and Brandon, uh, and then Brandon Stevens kind of in that swing spot. That's their cornerback. So it's Marlon Humphrey and a bunch of guys. Uh, and maybe some of their rookies step up, but, you know, they tried to play them early last year, and they got burned horribly by Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins, and then it kind of hit the bench for the rest of the year. Um... So it seems to me like the Ravens' most glaring need is definitely a corner. It's not like the deepest defensive end class either. Like they could always, you could always use more pass rush. I think every team, but if I had to guess, the Ravens are looking at a cornerback, uh, which you know might not excite fans, but it kind of seems like the most obvious need slash. It's where there's a lot of depth this year. There's a lot of good corners in this class. So if the Ravens pick in the first round, which I'm with you, I'm not convinced they will, or at least at 22. Um, I think they'll be taking a cornerback, if I had to guess. But we'll see how it plays out in our draft, <laughs> whenever we do our mock draft. Yeah, so it's it's a relative... I always love the NFL draft. Um, you know, being an adult and you get more responsibilities in life, you're not... And I've said this on this show before, you're not sitting in the back of a Sociology 101 class just reading <laughs> mock drafts for two hours, because I definitely didn't do that while at University of Maryland. Um, <laughs> to take you behind the curtain a little bit, I, I determine the draft order for us. I just do like a random number generator. And I assign us each a number, one, two, three, and then hit the random sequencer. And then whatever it is, it ends up being that order. I just did that because I was like, hey, let's get ahead on this a little bit. Um, and for the third year in a row, fourth year in a row, third year in a row, what, Antonio? What? What are you looking at? I, I, the, the, the Google Doc has been active mid-conversation. Uh, mid so I don't know what's going on with the, with the ping pong balls so I'm, here, but I'm curious. I messed a... something up originally uh, while I just mm. did the order here uh, because I had Antonio 1, I had Jace 2, and I had myself 3. And then when I did the random number sequencer, it went 2-1-3. So Jace, Jace, you have the first pick. And the way it plays out <laughs> for the second time, I believe, you are also going to pick for the Baltimore Ravens. Oh at my gosh. This, this is under protest. Uh, um, this, this, this ping pong ball situation is pressure. under protest. <laughs> I, have, I still have not picked for the Ravens. I'm not super upset about it, to be completely honest. Uh, but I'm doing this as we speak here. And uh, yeah, so, but we'll, we'll, we'll just a little teaser. Jace will be the one you can spew your vitriol at when he picks somebody you definitely don't want. <laughs> for the Baltimore Ravens at 22. But then again, don't worry. They're not going to be picking there. They're going to trade down. Um, I'm intrigued because I think the Odell Beckham Jr. thing opens up a lot of options. Um, you know, I still think they could draft a wide receiver there. Jace is completely right. Uh, they need to sign a corner. They could still draft a corner. They could go best player available. They're absolutely not going to pick a quarterback. Uh, and Hooker there would just be infuriating. <laughs> but, you know, we'll have to talk about that at a different time. Um, and for a draft that is... You know, by all accounts and all the, the draft nicks and the people that do this for a living, what have you, not the strongest draft. Corner is a very strong spot. And I would love nothing more than that this is me just purely speculating. If we could get Joey Porter to start rooting for the Ravens because his son is now on the Ravens after signing a former Cleveland Brown who we all hated in Odell Beckham Jr., <laughs> The Ravens just could be like turn like putting all our enemies and putting them behind us, and and now we are a united front. Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback out of uh, Penn State, would be a fun um, a fun ad. I don't know. 
that weekend uh, for me, I'm always excited. I always spend too much time watching like fourth the fourth round of the NFL draft <laughs> and just sitting on my couch eating chips because, you know, there there's a social life to be had, I guess, but I'm not sure what it is. Uh, especially on that weekend, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it, and I think again the OBJ signing really opens some things up, and you know. I I, I want to sit here and say, yeah, I can't wait for the Ravens to pick at 22, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> and one thing we should just say about uh, the corner thing, I think why we're keying on it. We know that Ravens are interested in corners. Uh, and we know why, because they tried to sign Darius Slay. I don't think we talked about that's this, um, but he was apparently, they were very close on a deal. If he got released by the Eagles, he never was. In fact, uh, they ended up working out a deal, but Darius Slay himself said he thought he was going to Baltimore. So we know the Ravens, are interested in adding a big-time corner and almost did. And now, you know, there's revolving doors that they signed Darius Slade. The Odell Beckham thing probably doesn't happen. And who knows then where we stand with Lamar. So, you know, it, it's interesting. But the Ravens are certainly trying to upgrade their, their quarterback uh, uh, position. They've made no secret about that. And it seems like, uh, you know, Marcus Peters, there's been – I've heard almost nothing about him to any team. But not with, it seems to be not much traction of him returning to the Ravens. So, um yeah, they're they're clearly interested in making a move. They tried to sign a Pro Bowler, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's, so I think that's definitely a position to to, to kind of just keep an eye on as we sort of move closer to the draft here. Yeah, the Ravens have said what for twenty years that they don't draft the players based on need. They just get the top player available based on their board, and yet uh, specifically in the early rounds over the last few years. They've gone exactly to their positions of need. They, they've gotten multiple wide receivers in the first round. Uh, they went for an edge rusher in the first round with OA. Then, then, then when that wasn't working, they went for an edge rusher again in the second <laughs> round uh, with a first-round talent who had fallen to the second round. They drafted a center in the first round when they had a glaring hole at center. So, you know, won't, won't be shocked if they use this opportunity either to draft, as Jace mentioned, a stud corner who falls... Or if they're at that, like, the cut line of pedigree, jump back 10 spots and take the same guy that they would have taken 10 spots ten spots earlier and try to grab uh, an additional pick in the second round, which would be nice. But we will see. We will see. And we will have a lot more draft information for you on the Ravens and the rest of the NFL in a couple of weeks. Um, anything else, fellas, before we close up here? This week. Uh, to tease, I'm going to tease the top 10 here for people because um, I'm looking at the list of who's going to draft where, and I'm like, oh, wait, I don't know what any of the team needs for the people that I have to pick are. Um, <laughs> so we'll just go in order here. Jace, also with the Ravens, and the number one overall selection with the Carolina Panthers at one. Uh, one thing I should have mentioned that I forgot, I think it's interesting, uh, as of on Monday, the lines have moved uh, in terms of betting. Bryce Young is now the favorite to go number one over C.J. Stroud, which could be mm. a very interesting development. As soon as the Panthers went one, there was all the clips of Josh McCown basically fawning over C.J. Stroud and telling him, like, it's going to be so sweet when we hang out in Charlotte together. Um, and then that not happening, what have you. So Jace is going to be picking there at number one. Antonio will be picking for the Texans at number two. Myself, the Arizona Cardinals at three. Back to Jace for the Colts at number four. Uh, Antonio for the Seattle Seahawks, a playoff team. Playoffs at number five. Um, me picking for Dan Campbell and the Lions. Jace for the Raiders. Antonio for the Falcons. Myself for the Bears. And then back to Jace at 10 for the Philadelphia Super Bowl contestant. Picking at number 10, the Philadelphia Eagles. It's an upside down league. Uh, teams are <laughs> bad at trades. That's what I'm. That's what I've learned from the, from the top 10 Uh order so far um <laughs> yeah fascinating stuff i'm excited for that episode in a few weeks um jace anything else anything else from you before yeah we, uh, i'm excited our for our mock, our mock draft uh two years ago we were really good did we hit like 15 selections yeah, we or pretty good players yeah. to teams or something but that was a lot more predictable draft we knew trevor lawrence was going one it became very clear zach wilson was going to the jets last year i do not think we did so well because it was more unexpected and this year who knows? As we said, uh, you know, Vegas hasn't been wrong very recently when it comes to the odds for the first overall pick. Um, they never really are when it comes to odds. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that it moved. It's like, what do they know? Who have they talked to? That kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know what to expect this year. And, and I think you mentioned it earlier in the show, Antonio. It's just exciting to not 
you know, know who the first overall pick is. Like, as much as I love the draft, when you knew a year in advance that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the first overall pick of the 2021 draft, you're like, all right, well, whoever finishes last is going to pick Lawrence, and then we'll go from there. It's, you know, there's there's real intrigue this year, and uh, I think there's no sure things, and I think that just makes it, you know, really exciting. And like you said, it's, it's weird draft, too. Like, the Lions, not their pick. The Seahawks, not their pick. The, the, the Eagles, not their pick. All the top ten. Uh, from these trades, it's like we're in a really weird position where like a team like Seattle could throw the whole thing out of whack by just like taking a quarterback for the future, like if they want Anthony Richardson. So I'm really excited about that sort of thing um, to sort of just see how that all unfolds. Because I feel like there's so many like wrinkles of teams that don't really need quarterbacks, but could take them and teams that need quarterbacks and uh, just seeing how that all shakes out. I'm really excited for it. The draft is Thursday, April 27th. Our mock draft will be coming to you Wednesday, April 26th, 26th, so look out for that. Um, and that's going to do it. That's going to do it for us this week. Keep building, Ravens. One player down, one to go uh, <laughs> for Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens. I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you with the mock draft in two weeks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.